You are listening to audio from Calvary Chapel, Monrovia. For more information, please visit www.ccmonrovia.org. If you have your Bibles with you, please open them up with me to the book of Colossians, chapter 1. Colossians, chapter 1. We'll be looking at verses 9 through 14 today, 9 through 14. Entitled today's message, An Inspired Prayer. An Inspired Prayer. Prayer is something that we want to be inspired by the Holy Spirit. Now, part of our prayer life is just merely coming and making our request to the Lord. But another part of prayer is learning and and listening to what the Spirit of God wants to do and accomplish in our lives, through our lives, and that that would give voice to prayer. You remember Jesus, when he taught the disciples to pray, He said, pray in this manner, and you remember this phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus teaching us to pray in a line with God's will being done and accomplished. Not just my will, God please come accomplish my will, but God accomplish your will. And and that's what we're going to see here today in our verses, in our text. We're going to be looking at some of the specific things that the Apostle Paul was praying for the church in Colossae. Now, he was an apostle. He was called by God. He was gifted by God. And so as we read this prayer, it's not just a man's prayer for a local church. It's really a divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit prayer not only for that local church, but for the church of all time. So really, we'll see today something of God's prayer for us, written and inspired through the Apostle Paul. And this gives us insight. What does God have for us? What does God desire for the local church? What does God want happening in our lives spiritually? We'll gain some insight just by reading the Apostle Paul's prayer. You'll remember our introduction last week to this small letter. We call it an epistle, a book of the New Testament written by the Apostle Paul while he was there in prison in Rome. The, one of the leaders from the church of Colossae, someone Paul knew, comes to Paul while he's in prison. Paul is able to receive visitors And a man by the name of Epaphras comes and gives him the report of this church, this small church that has been planted and growing in the city of Colossae. Paul had never himself been to the city of Colossae. Paul, as far as we can tell, never visited or sees face to face the congregation of this church. But Paul did spend some time in the city of Ephesus. You'll remember in the book of Acts. He spent a couple of years there ministering, and people that were coming through Ephesus were hearing the gospel, converting to Christ, and then going through to their local cities and finding each other in fellowship, and churches were being born in these cities surrounding Ephesus. Colossae is one of those churches, one of those cities. And we saw in Paul's greeting, just in the first few verses last week, Paul is just excited to hear that there is a church in Colossae. I am so glad to hear that you received the gospel and that you believed it, this this world-changing gospel, bearing fruit all over the world, and now it's landed there in your city. And since I heard about it, I've been been praying for you guys, and this letter now is kind of the, the occasion Uh, the response to the Apostle Paul hearing the report of this local church. He's going to encourage them. He's going to strengthen them. 
He's going to warn them. He's going to do all that he can to really ground them in this, this new work that God is doing in their city. The Apostle Paul was a man of prayer, as should all ministry be anchored in prayer. It really is the place where God is allowed to, to breathe his will into ours and voice it in prayer. Let's take a look now at Paul's prayer specifically uh, for this young church. Pick it up with me in verse 9. For this reason, when we heard that you received the gospel, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And here's what he's praying. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. <clears throat> Excuse me. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious gospel, for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Just a few words here, but wow, packed and rich with truth. And I'd like to maybe examine it today with you in three separate areas. Three things standing out to me today out of this prayer. We'll notice that Paul is praying for the knowledge of God's will to increase in the life of this church. That they would know God's will. Secondly, that they would walk in a worthy manner. He prays for their walk, their Christian lifestyle and conduct. And finally, he gives thanks to God for his work of salvation and redemption. So... His will, their walk, God's work. Take a look first at this knowledge of God's will. Look with me again at verse 9. <clears throat> We're asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Knowledge is so important. Knowing God's will, knowing God's mind, knowing God's plan. You know, so much of our Christian life is living out what we know to be true concerning God's plan and promise. And I think many of us, we miss the fullness of what God has intended for us simply because of lack of knowledge. We're not aware of some of the truths, some of the depths of God's plan for us. A few years back, my dad got a new car. And so he passed his old car on to me. It's a 15 year old car, but it's a nice car. It's a Mercedes Benz. So I have to disclose this at least once a year. When you see me pulling in, when you see me pulling in the parking lot in my Mercedes, just know that it was a gift passed down from my father, and it's an old Mercedes. It looks, I look good in it, I know. <clears throat> but it's, it's not something that the church is sponsoring, just so you know. We're not that kind of a church. <laughs> But I'm gonna be honest with you, there are so many buttons and gadgets in that car. The owner's manual is as thick as a Bible. And I have not, there are so many buttons, I don't even know what they do. 
you know, when I first started driving, I didn't even know how to make the doors unlock. People would be trying to get in on the passenger door and I'm turning lights on, windshield wipers. Just a lack of knowledge, I'm not really able still to fully utilize, you know, what's been prepared for the driver and the experience in this car. Well, you know, God has planned something for you and me too. God has a a will for us to walk in, and it's a good plan, it's a good will. And, And so we need to know it. Paul's praying, I'm asking God to just open these truths up to you. Not just any knowledge, not just head knowledge, but knowledge that will come to you in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. This is a depth of knowledge that goes down to the core, down into our spiritual understanding. Paul would would say it this way in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, a similar prayer that he prays for that church. He's praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. We sing a worship song, right? Open the eyes of my heart. And this is what Paul's prayer was. I want God to illuminate your spiritual heart to the truth of the gospel and all that God has planned. Excuse me. What are some practical ways that this prayer can come into fruition in our lives? I mean, is it just say, God, just make us, you know, just give me more knowledge, you know, and that's it? No, we have to kind of give opportunity for the Lord to speak to us, to reveal to us. Just a few practical thoughts. One of the most obvious ones, read your Bible. Hey, what a concept, there's an idea. You want to know the mind of God? You want to know the heart of God? He has revealed himself in his word. Well, this is the best place to really learn the knowledge of his will. But it's not just a head knowledge. We want it to come empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says of of God's word that God's word is alive and it's active. And so that's what I want. I don't want to just put words in my mind. I want God's spirit to engrave them on my heart. I want this truth to come to life in me by his spirit. Jesus, speaking of the Holy Spirit, said, when the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. So it's the word of God. We're giving it opportunity as we read, as we study, but it's also the Spirit of God. We'll we'll, we'll say prayer, that that communion with God. We're reading with a prayerful attitude. A lot of times we think prayer is just us making requests. I think prayer is also listening to the Spirit of God, communicating with God, a a two-way conversation. And I'm asking God to open up the, the Word to me. Have you ever had that happen? Have you ever read a passage that maybe you were very familiar with? You've read it dozens of times, but all of a sudden, something new that you never saw before jumps off the page and just, boom, finds its mark in your heart. It's alive. It's so true. It's the Word of God being made alive by the Spirit of God. So this cycle of reading and praying You know, maybe you need to grow just even in your prayer life. 
I would encourage you to develop a worship time of prayer. Now, we do that uh, corporately as we gather and sing, but I think you could do this privately. I encourage you to do so. And if you have a hard time with that, just go to the Psalms and read the Psalms and let those Psalms be your prayer. There's worship there, there's thanks there, there's insight there, and there is opportunity for God to speak to you there. God will meet you. God will open up wisdom and and truth to your heart. Maybe you need to pray a little more for others. You know, as you intercede on behalf of others, and that's what Paul is doing for this church, guess what happens? The Holy Spirit gives you insight on how to pray for people. You know, not always. It's not like God, you know, gives any secrets on people, but sometimes you just get a sense of what a person is going through, and God directs you in prayer for them. And again, I mentioned listening. In this time of communion with the Lord, praying, reading his word, you're listening to God. God will speak to you. God wants you to know his will. This is a a divinely inspired prayer that you and I would come to the knowledge of his will. And I guess thirdly, a, a practical thing that I want to suggest is attending a Bible teaching church. Congratulations. I have one to recommend to you. You're here this morning. And I think this is a good discipline for our lives. You know, there is something about God ministering through those that he has called to pastor and teach his church. This is not my idea. This is God's idea for the church. The Bible says that he has gifted and raised up pastors and teachers. And my guess is if he's raised them up, we need them in our lives. We, God is using that as in a way to speak to our heart. And maybe a sermon. We'll, we'll just magnify a truth that you needed to hear and you're growing in the knowledge of God. But it's more than just sitting under the sermon. It's also the connection with other Christians. There's something very practical about this. You learn Christianity as you walk and live with other Christians. There's a discipleship process that takes place. Don't you know that's why Jesus spent so much time with those 12, three and a half years every day ups and downs, teaching, training, mentoring, discipling. That takes place in a local church. There's also a certain accountability that comes from fellowshipping together, right? We're not just kind of off on our own. We we hold each other accountable. Hey, how you doing? What's going on? And there's that place of contact for your Christian life. This helps grow you in the knowledge of God. And let me just say this. Sometimes there's a safety just in being with other Christians. When you get too removed, too on your own, let me tell you, you can have a tendency to get off in your thinking. Listen, not every idea that comes into your mind is necessarily the divine inspiration of God. And sometimes you need to bounce that off of other brothers and sisters, lest you get weird. It happens. (laughs) It happens. You need to be in fellowship, and you have need a good brother or sister to say, no, that's not the Lord, that's weird. Yeah, you know what, I, you're right, that is weird, okay. And you're back on track. There is safety in the body of Christ, and God has designed it this way. Well, Paul's prayer develops not only knowledge of his will, but a knowledge of his will that ends up manifesting in our conduct. Knowledge producing lifestyle change, fruit, 
a walk that is worthy of the Lord. Look on again with me, verse 10 and 11. He prays for the walk of this early new church, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and longsuffering with joy. I don't want you just to have head knowledge, church. I want that knowledge to turn into real conduct, a walk that's stable and growing and fruitful. He tells us about this walk, a walk that's worthy of the Lord. Now, it's not a walk to become worthy of the Lord. It's a walk that is worthy of a relationship that is already in place with the Lord. The relationship we have with him is by grace. It's by mercy. It's by what he has done. But now we are changed. We are transformed. Our walk reflects something, evidences this living relationship that we have with him. Just a few things right here in our text. What should our walks with God look like? Well, we should be fully pleasing to him. I should be living a life pleasing to God. That should be my desire. That should be my priority. There are times when I miss that mark, but I'm, not, I'm no longer living a life to please myself. I'm not bringing God along to help please me. God, come help make me happy. That's, what I, that's why I invited you into my life, so we could get on my agenda. No, I'm now looking to be, my agenda was a loser. How about yours? My agenda was bondage. My agenda was selfish. It was empty. It was, you know, without hope and life. That's, I've had enough of that. I want to be pleasing to you. Now, here's the beautiful thing. God loves you so much that the things that will please him will be a great blessing to you. I introduced you to my two grandbabies. You know how much, as a grandparent, you love those little ones. Anything that, they, anything that would please me would only be that which would bless them and prosper them and be good for them. And we have a heavenly father even far more loving and insightful as to what is good for us. So as I align my heart to please him, I'm really getting myself in step with the very best thing for me. It's not like, oh, bummer, I gotta please the Lord. I could have done this, but I gotta please God. No, pleasing God is where you're gonna find the greatest blessing and fulfillment in your own life. It's a priority change. You're not living for self, you're living for him. Psalm 1914, the psalmist said, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable, be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I wanna be pleasing to the Lord through and through. My actions, my words, my thoughts. Lord, help me to know your will that I might live in a way that would please you. And I want to give God my best. You know, I don't want to be giving God what's kind of left over. I have my priorities and then, well, I've got to give a little time to please God or a little of my life to kind of, you know, keep things going spiritually. You may remember this, you don't need to turn, but the Lord sent a prophet by the name of Malachi to his people because they were beginning to give God their leftovers. 
God had called them to bring sacrifice and make offerings to, the, to him at the temple. And they were bringing, you know, they were looking through the flock. Well, let's see, who are we going to offer to the Lord? Oh, there's a, there's a blind one. Take him. He's not helpful in the flock. We'll offer that one to the Lord. We don't need him anyway. And the Lord rebukes him. And he says, and when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? If we want to be pleasing to the Lord, we have to bring our best. God has given us his best. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. God is fully in with us, and he wants our hearts fully in with him. That's what pleases the Lord, a heart that is completely prioritized for him. But he, he, he doesn't just talk about that being pleasing. He also, we see there in verse 10, he, wants our, he prays that our walks would be fruitful in every good work. And this idea of fruit, this is just the outgrowth of a relationship with God. Jesus would say, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you'll abide in me, you will bear fruit. It's, it's the outflow, it's the natural byproduct of living for him and walking in relationship with him. Fruit is not something made in a factory through work and sweat. Fruit is something that just flows and appears on the limbs, on the lives of those that have a healthy relationship with the Lord. And the greatest fruit of our faith is love. Good works that are motivated by love. Not good works to earn love, but good works because of love. We, we honor the Lord because we love him and because he loves us. Ephesians 2 and verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. A healthy, worthy of the Lord walk has fruit of good works. There's evidence that you love the Lord, that you know God's will. You're pleasing Him in the way that you live, and you're, you're working for Him. And, and, you know, sometimes we think, well, works, we're not saved by works. No, we're not saved by works. But those who are saved, they work. They work for the Lord because it's a joy. It's the fruit. It's the natural result of a life with him. And let me just say, nothing compares with the good works that he's prepared for you. Pastor Chuck used to say it this way, you can never accomplish something better for your life than the good plan that he has already made for your life. That's the best use of your talent, your time, your resource, that you would live a fruitful life of good works in him. The final part there in 10, verse 10, uh, he says, increasing in the knowledge of God. So you kind of get the idea. Okay, he's praying that we would grow in the knowledge of God, and that that knowledge would produce a walk, a lifestyle with God, and that lifestyle would include increasing in the knowledge of God. So you're growing. You're always learning. There's always more truth of God being revealed to you, and so much of it is learned in your walk. I mean, let's be honest, some of the truths that we know about God, we read them in the Bible, we believed them, but we really learned them in life experience. I think about 
his faithfulness. I know, I know God's faithful, but boy, when I've lived my life and he's had to come through for me, that's where I really learned he was faithful. My knowledge of his faithfulness has grown with my walk, his goodness, his mercy. Oh, how many times I've had to come to the Lord for mercy, wondering if I'd used up the reservoir, only to find out that his mercies are new every morning. You learn that as you walk with him. You learn that as you, as you grow with him, ever-increasing knowledge of him. We learn that he's holy, that he's powerful, that he's wise, that he's interested in our life. These things come to us in life with him. Yes, they're learned, they're discerned mentally, but let's, they're, they're really understood spiritually as we walk together. Well, how can we do this? Do we just need to try harder? Is that it? Or just, man, I just gotta willpower this thing. It's the new year. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do it, Lord. I gotta have a drink after that. <clears throat> I hope they can edit some of this for the radio, don't you? <laughs> he tells us right here in verse 11. Look, here's how you're gonna walk. Here's how this walk is gonna happen. You're gonna be strengthened with all might according to <clears throat> his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. Paul's prayer, look, I'm praying that you'll walk in this, but not in your own strength, not in your own determined willpower, but in the strength and grace that he provides. The strength and according to his glorious power. Is there any limit to what God's strength can do? But is there anything that we can do without him? Jesus said, for without me, you can do nothing. But the apostle Paul said in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul's prayer for this church, Paul's prayer for us, the Holy Spirit's desire for us is that we would walk in his strength, in his might. And this again speaks of the relationship and growing and dependence upon him. And I like that he says, for all patience and long-suffering with joy. You kind of, you kind of get the idea. A church, for patience and long-suffering, I'm praying that God give you the strength you need for the long haul to finish the race. Because what God has begun, he will be faithful to complete. This isn't a sprint. This isn't just a hooray for a moment, church. I'm asking God to fill you with the strength that you're gonna need to go the distance. And the Christian life is a, is a distance run, isn't it? It's a pilgrimage, it's a, it's a learning day in and day out with the Lord and that God's strength and God's grace will get you there with joy. Oh, that's the hard one. Sometimes I feel like I'm doing pretty good. Lord, I'm running the race, but I am complaining and whining every step of the way. Oh God, this is so hard. I can't believe you're letting this happen to me. Oh, I just understand. But Lord, I'm gonna hang in. Oh Lord, I'm faithful. Lord, I'm gonna be there. Lord, I'm gonna keep my, running my race. Where's the joy? <laughs> Where's the joy? I'm trying to do it in my own strength. Well, you're commended for your, your effort, but God wants you to run the race with joy, to be centered and anchored in him. 
For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. The very next verse, that's at Philippians 2.13, verse 14 says, do all things without complaining and disputing. You see the connection. When God's doing the strengthening, when God's supplying the power, then the enduring, the, the, the patience can be done with joy because God will give the grace. My grace is sufficient for you, the Lord would tell the Apostle Paul. Some trials are difficult, but that's where you find, that's where you tap the resource of his grace. There are things about God that you'll never know until you go into a deep valley, until you go through a, a, a difficult trial. That's where the Lord will meet you. That's where the Lord's grace will bring joy even in the face of challenge. Finally, Paul gives thanks for God's work. We've looked at his will. We've looked at the walk. Consider how Paul finishes it in his prayer, giving thanks to God for his work, what he has accomplished. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Church, you can do it. You can make it. You can, you can go all the way because of what God has done on your behalf. God is highlighted his work is brought to light. You know, he says that he is going, the Father has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has qualified us. Don't you know that some of us, when we get to heaven, there are going to be people that walk up to us and say, how did you get here? <laughs> what are you doing here? How did you make it? How did you qualify? And you're gonna, you know the answer. My father. My father qualified me. I didn't do anything to get here. I didn't do anything to make it. He qualified me. It's what he did. His right hand of salvation brought me to this place to be qualified to partake of the inheritance of the saints in the light well, how did he qualify us? Well, he delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. He brought us out of one kingdom and he conveyed us over and placed us into a new kingdom, the kingdom of the Son of his love. You used to be in the kingdom under the power of darkness, the bondage of sin. The, the, the guilt and the shame of sin, the, 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 uh, the hold that darkness would ha ha used to have on your life has been broken. God has brought you out of that kingdom, delivered you out of that kingdom, rescued you out of that kingdom, and he's brought you over and put you in the new kingdom, the kingdom of the son of his love. Welcome to the kingdom. And it is the eternal kingdom 
of the son of his love. It is a kingdom of love. It is a kingdom of mercy and grace and everlasting life. It is a kingdom of power. It is a kingdom of joy. It's the kingdom of Jesus Christ who is our king. And it started the moment we came to faith in him. Yes, there is a heavenly reward, but right now he's my king. Right now I'm living in the results of that conveyance into his kingdom. How did he accomplish it? How did he do this? Verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. How did he get you and me out of that old kingdom? He bought us out. He bought us out with his blood. That's what redemption means. It speaks of a purchase. He came and paid the price that none could pay but him the price of his own life. He died on that cross and his blood bought us, redeemed us. We were enslaved. We were entrapped. We could, where there was no hope. There was no way out. There was no way to be rescued until Jesus came and purchased us out and bought us and transferred us into his kingdom, a place where there is forgiveness of sins. All your sins are forgiven. Well, how do I qualify? Because all your sins are forgiven. There's no record of, of, your, 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 of the guilt of your sin. The Bible says also that he has credited to us his righteousness. This is why the Bible says, come boldly to the throne of God. Boldly? I don't belong here. I don't qualify here. What are you doing here? <laughs> he qualified me. What Christ has done for me. He redeemed me. He cleansed me from all my sin. As we know this knowledge, I'm telling you, this knowledge of his will can change your life. This truth can set you free. That's why Paul's praying it. Oh, I'm praying that you will know his will to the Ephesian church. Oh, I'm praying that he opens the eyes of your heart. I want you to see these truths because as you, as you learn them, as God reveals them to you, it's going to change your life, your walk. And that walk is all a result of his work for us in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. In just this short prayer of the Apostle Paul for a, just a, a local church of his day, Lord, we glean such good things for our church today, for our spiritual lives. God, I pray that we would grow in the knowledge of your will. God, I pray, help us to walk in a manner worthy of this calling. And Lord, help us to stand with confidence in the work that you have accomplished for us in the kingdom of your Son. As our heads are bowed here today and we close our service, I do want to give an opportunity if you're here today and it may be that the Lord has spoken to you very clearly today and you would like to respond to him. I'd love to, love to pray for you if God has touched you in a way that, that you would like to respond. Maybe you're here today and you're, you're realizing that you're still in the kingdom of darkness. You know something about Jesus. You've, you're here. You've heard it. You, 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 you've maybe even grown up with the knowledge of it, but you've never really made a personal 
commitment. You've never really invited Jesus into your heart to forgive you. You've never appropriated this, this redemption of his blood. I'd love to pray for you if you want to receive Christ and receive forgiveness and come into this kingdom of his beloved son. Maybe you're here today and you need to rededicate, recommit your life to the Lord. You've been a Christian, but something has happened in your life, maybe a, a crisis, maybe some discouragement, some trial. Maybe you've just become entangled again in some sin that's haunted you. Or maybe it's just really just life. You've just kind of grown lukewarm. And you realize today, Lord, I, I need to recommit my heart. I need to rededicate my life to you. I want to I walk worthy of this salvation that you have purchased for me. I'd love to pray for you too. So if you're here today, you want to receive Christ for the very first time, or you would like to rededicate your life to him, I would ask you just to raise your hand. Let me see you, and I'll pray for you here as we close. God bless you there on the aisle. We're here on the aisle. Two or three hands back there. God bless you guys. Anyone else? On this side, my left, and the right there. Thank you. Lord bless you. Hand up here. Number of responding. Anyone else? We're just going to pray. God bless you. Amen. There's power in prayer. Amen. Amen. Another hand there. God bless you. Anyone else just before I pray? God bless you. And so, Lord, for these hearts responding to you today, Lord, I, I ask that you would meet them with your love and with your grace. That's the good news of the gospel, that you love us and that you sent your son for us. And so today, these hearts responding, God, maybe some coming to faith for the first time, maybe some coming back to you, recommitting their hearts. I pray that their heart would be just open and honest and really be sincere and say, Jesus, please forgive me. I believe that you died on that cross for me, that your blood was shed to redeem me from this life of sin and darkness and selfishness, that I might know forgiveness and that I might have your spirit, that I might know your will and purpose and plan for my life. God, that's what I desire. Cleanse me. Save me and help me to live the life that you've called me to. I'm giving you my best, Lord. All that I have is my heart today, honestly and humble before you. God, I pray that you would receive those hearts and those prayers today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to audio from Calvary Chapel, Monrovia. To view and listen to more sermons, please visit www.ccmonrovia.org.